Good morning. Brother Eddie, appreciate that prayer. Nothing better, is it, than a, a good Christian man getting up and, and saying what's on his heart. And, and we, it's wonderful that we have that avenue that we can go to God and, and tell him what's on our heart and tell him our, our problems and our, our wishes and our wants and know that he's going to listen to us. And we appreciate Eddie and love Eddie very much. Appreciate what he means to the church here at Fountainhead. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Psalms 100. I'm going to let you know up front, I'm a nervous wreck. But it's all good. I got Sammy on backup. All I got to do is give him the signal. He's going to be up here. Or I may take Bill's advice and go with the one-word sermon. He really encouraged me to do that. If you looked in your bulletin today, James is supposed to be preaching this morning. And I'm going to tell you something about James. James is a very godly man. I appreciate James. appreciate what he means to the church here at Fountainhead. James loves the Lord. He loves our church. He loves people. He wants to see everybody get to heaven. appreciate him very much. But I'm going to tell you, James is a lot smarter than he looks. Because Monday night he said, Hey, won't you go ahead and preach Sunday morning? And I said, Okay, because I respect my elders. <laughs> but I realized that he knew that after Ben Flat was up here, that there's no way that we could meet those expectations. So he wanted me to come up here first and bring the expectations down. <laughs> And he's going to go at it tonight. So everybody come back tonight and listen to James. Psalms 100 <clears throat> is a psalm about thanksgiving. It's a psalm about worshiping God. It's a psalm about thinking about the blessings that we have in this life. It's a psalm that after I read it makes me want to worship God. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with, thanks, with singing. I'm sorry. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Are you excited to be here today? Are you excited to be here <clears throat> and have the opportunity to worship God? What a great gospel meeting we had. Brother Flat, 75 years old, 10 great lessons, never looked at one note. Isn't that amazing? Preach the gospel. Taught a word. And what great singing we had during the gospel meeting. What great singing we had today. Our song leaders do such a great job. And we have beautiful singing here at Fountainhead. And it just makes our worship of God so much better. Verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. All we have to do today is look around, <clears throat> and there's no mistaking that there is a God. The beautiful things out in this world, the trees, the flowers, the grass, the mountains, the sun, the moon, the stars, all the creatures that are around, God has made all of this with his own hands, and he's made us with his own hands. And we have some very smart people in this world. Our technology has just got unbelievable. 
most problems, man can figure out how to solve them. But man has never been able to create a human being. Only God can do that. We are his people. Aren't you glad to be called a child of God? Aren't you glad to know that you worship a God that can create such things? And if you're not a child of God, you'll have that opportunity today to do that, just like Rayleigh did in the last week, just like Sarah did here in the last week. You'll have that opportunity. Verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We should be thankful to God and praising Him for all that He does for us. We should be thankful that we're able to come here today and worship Him. We've all been blessed so much in our lives. We should want to be here today just to, in a small way, thank Him for what He does for us. Verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. God's love and His faithfulness is unfailing through all times. God has told us that we have a home in heaven if we just obey His Word, and that will never change. Now think about that. He's told us what to do to become a Christian and have a home with Him in heaven. and No one can change that. The same promise that He made to you and me will be there for our great-grandchildren Think about that. The same promise that he gave us is there for our great-grandchildren if we just teach them. In the same way God has made us, he made our children. In the same way God has been good to us, he's going to be good to them. In the same way that he loves us forever, he's going to love them forever. You know, our, our church here at Fountainhead, we're very blessed <clears throat> to be here in Portland in the city that we live in. We're very blessed to have this congregation here in Fountainhead. We have a very strong congregation. We have elders, not talking about myself, we have other elders that want us to do what's right. They want the gospel taught. They want the gospel preached. We have deacons that are willing to do things to make sure that our church here at Fountainhead is strong. We have great education. We have great teachers. The Bible is taught here. We have loving people. We have caring people here at Fountainhead. And we are have people that are concerned about going to heaven. When we first came here in 2006 as a Christian father, Christian husband, that was the best decision we ever made because of the people here in this congregation. When we got here, it was just like we'd been here our whole life. People loved each other. We had fellowship with each other. Everything that we'd done, everybody was involved in, from painting the basement to the couples retreat, VBS, gospel meeting. It didn't matter what we did. We are all involved, and we still are. You know, I, I think Matt... Since he's not here, I'm going to talk about him. I think Matt has, has inserted a little bit more excitement here in the last couple of years. He's excited about the gospel. And what he does is rubbed off on us. And we're, we're kind of getting that way again. And that's what we have to do. But it takes all of us. 
We need every member here to be involved, to be one. It's like Eddie always prays for our church family. We are a family here. And we have the opportunity to help each other while we're serving God. You have an opportunity to make our church better. Every one of us. By your actions, by your attendance, by your participation. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, <clears throat> as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. When we're here and we're fellowshipping with each other, when we're worshiping with each other, we have the opportunity, think about that, to stir up love and good works. Turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. As a church family and being part of a church family and, and being members here, we have the opportunity to bear and to share each other's burdens. Starting in verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual will store such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That is the law of Christ, to help each other, to be a comfort, to be an encouragement to each other. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, <clears throat> he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. And being as together with each other, we have an opportunity to be generous and do good for each other. Verse, verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever, whatever a man sows... That he will also reap, for he sows. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, <clears throat> but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. He who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life, and that's what we want, isn't it? We want an eternal home with heaven. And we need to help each other get there. You know, we go about our lives and things are going along good and all of a sudden we hit a bump in the road and we're down. Well, we need help. We can't do it by ourselves. We need to look to God and we need to look to our brothers and sisters. You know, I think we're a lot of times, we're a lot like Peter. You know, Peter always stood up for God for Christ. He always defended Christ. He was the first one to speak up. You know, but he also failed a lot. But he didn't quit. He got back up and gone. He was one of the, the great gospel preachers in the first century. You know, he cut the ear off of the, the soldier when they come to get Christ. He said he would never uh, deny Jesus. And he denied him three times. Look in Matthew 14, <clears throat> starting at verse 25. It says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a ghost? 
and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. <clears throat> and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, I'm, I'm with him on the water part. I swim like a rock. When he started going down, he started getting scared, and, and I am too. And we go on vacation in the, in the ocean and the salt water and catching the kids. Come on out here. The salt will hold you up. No, it'll hold you up. It's not going to hold me up. I'm going down. So I understand that part. But what did he do when he started sinking? When the wind started getting rough and boisterous? Just like today in our life, when the world starts getting rough on us, when our own desires start taking over from what we want to do, from being a Christian, when we let things that we shouldn't get in the way of being Christian, what did he do? He reached up and said, Save me, Lord. He looked to God. We can do the same thing. But God has made a church and a church family for us if we'll just use it. We have brothers and sisters here that will help, but we got to be here. we got to want to be here. And they'll help us. We need to be just like the church in the first century. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 40. <clears throat> and with many other words, he, he testified, this being Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and invited them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They had just understood how to become a Christian. They just understood how to get to heaven. And they were together with each other. And they loved each other. And they had fellowship with each other. And they helped each other. They were one. They were one in Christ. And that's what we are here. And we have the opportunity to help and love each other. They had joy with each other. And we can do that. And we need to do that. When we're a Christian, everything's not going to go perfect. But we should be joyful that we're a Christian no matter what the circumstances are in our lives. In Acts chapter 16, <clears throat> starting at verse 25, the story of Paul and Silas in prison. Verse 25, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They were in prison, and they were singing and praying, sing, praying and singing hymns to God. 
Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And why would he ask this question? What must I do to be saved? Because of the actions of Paul and Silas. They were in prison, chained up, singing and praying to God. And everybody was looking at him listening, listening to him. Look at the effect he had on, on this jailer by his actions, by what he did. Verse 31, so they said, Leave on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes, <clears throat> and immediately he and all his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into the, to his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. This jailer went from drawing the sword and killing himself to being saved for eternity. Him and his family, because of somebody that was in prison, somebody that was in a terrible shape, didn't know what was going to happen to them because they were not afraid to be a Christian. And their actions and their examples rubbed off on somebody else. And not think about the jailer. Not only was he saved, but what did he do? He got his family involved. He didn't just keep it to himself. He said, hey, come and listen to this. He was joyful. He was excited he was saved. We let things kind of get to us sometimes, and we get down on ourselves, and we have a little pity party for how bad things are in our life and how bad we feel, and this happened, and that happened, this happened at work, and i got to do this, and, and we act like we can't get to church. Listen to the rest of this story. Verse 35. And when it was day, <clears throat> the magistrate sent the officer saying, Let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out <clears throat> and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered to the house of Lydia. Now listen to what it says right here. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they told them how bad they was beaten and how many stripes they had and how bad they felt and how their bones were, were hurting. They were hurting inside. Their food wasn't good. And they were chained up. Is that what it says? So they went out of the prison, entered the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them. They was in prison, beaten, thinking they were going to die. And they went and encouraged the brethren. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep being a Christian. Keep teaching. 
And then they departed and went on and taught somebody else. You know, one of the greatest examples that we have, and I'm going to embarrass her a little bit, as a congregation here, and we have great examples here, but Miss Evelyn, and we talk about her a lot in Sunday morning class. I went to visit her when she was in the hospital, and I walked in, and before I could even ask her how she was doing, she had done asked me about ten people. How are they doing? How's your family? How are they? I'm worried about so-and-so. She's in the hospital. She's still sending cards. How many of you get a card from Miss Evelyn? She wasn't feeling good. She wasn't worried about herself. She was worried about you. That's how we've got to be here at Fountainhead. When things are going bad, what better place to be than at church? When you need help, when you need encouragement, what better place to be than when your brothers and sisters that can help you. Our church here at Fountainhead can be a clinic. Can be a clinic for people that need help. A place where you can come and you can openly confess your sins, your problems, your mistakes. And you're not going to be ridiculed. You're going to be loved. You can say, hey, I'm broken. I need help with what's going on in my life. And as soon as you say it, you're going to have people that surround you and tell you that they love you. And they're going to tell you they probably had the same problem too. And they're going to help you. That's what we need here at Fountainhead. We're, we're doing it. But we need more of it. We need to get stronger and stronger. And I'm going to tell you, it does, we're looking for a minister. It doesn't matter who we get as a minister. He can't do it by itself. If we're going to grow as a congregation, everyone of us have to be involved. We have to do our part. We have to love everybody. You know, just like the first century church did, we have to get involved. We need everybody. We say we're Christians. We say we're members here at Fountainhead. Well, our actions speak louder than words do. James 1, 22 through 25 says, Be, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Let's be doers of the word. Let's show Portland that we truly love them, that we truly love each other here at Fountainhead, and most importantly, that we truly love God, and we love His Word, and we believe that what He says is true. You know, there's a <clears throat> commercial that just come out. I don't know if any of you have seen I think it's a Toyota commercial, and uh, a guy with a microphone and a camera crew walk up to a house with a big check there's a million dollars on it. And they knock on the door, and a guy comes out, and the guy with the microphone says, you just want a million dollars. He answers the microphone, he says, he starts hollering, and he says, that's the second best thing that's ever happened to me. And the guy with the microphone looks at the camera like, this guy's crazy. And then they show, show him at a car dealership, 
and the salesman comes over and hands him, well, here's, your, here's your deal. And he looks at it and he starts screaming and hollering, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. And that's a car commercial. But I want you to think about your life. No matter how old you are, what's the best thing that's ever happened to you in your life? You know, if, if you're Paisley's age, probably the best thing that's ever happened to you is you get to go to Nana's. Because when you get to Nana's, you get whatever you want. So it's a good day. If you're being Elijah's A's, maybe you hit a home run to win the game. That's the best thing that's ever happened to you. You know, uh, maybe if you're Micah's age, you, you scored the game-winning shot and won a game. If you're Luke's age, you got accepted into college. That may be the best thing that's ever happened. If you're Kirk's age, you got a job. Maybe that's the best thing. Or that could be the best thing for Mark and Regina that Kirk got the job. <laughs> maybe you just got a girlfriend. Maybe a boyfriend. Maybe that's the best thing. Maybe you just got married. You know, Eddie and Aline have been married for 50 years last week. That's amazing. And we need to, we need to tell Aline how much we appreciate her for putting up with him for 50 years. 50 years of marriage. Just think about that. Faithful children, faithful grandchildren. What an example they are to our congregation here. I remember when me and Kathy got married. It had been 32 years ago. The doors opened up. She come in. She was beautiful. She come walking up, and we were grinning the whole time. We grinned the whole time. And I remember taking her hand, the preacher started preaching, and I was thinking, well, you shut up and get to the I do before she changes her mind. <laughs> what about children? Maybe your children is the best thing that ever happened to you. My mama said her second child was the best thing that ever happened to her. <laughs> Maybe you bought a house. Maybe you just retired, and that was good. Maybe your grandchildren is the best thing that ever happened to you. Now, those are things throughout our life that happen. But let me tell you what's the best thing that's ever happened to any of us. John chapter 3, verse 13. <clears throat> no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus coming down from heaven and dying on the cross for our sins is the best thing that ever happened to any of us. And all we have to do is take advantage of it. And I want you to think about this. The best thing that's happened to me in my life is my parents were Christians. Now think about that. And I'm going to give you an example right here, and there's all kinds of examples sitting in this room, but I'm going to use my life because I know my life. But I'm going to give you one example with Eddie and Aline. I want you to put yourself, no matter what your age is, whether you're married or not right now, whether you have children yet, or if you do have children, I want you to put yourself in my parents' role. You are my parents. My parents 
took me to Sunday school. My parents had me at worship. My parents took me to VBS, to gospel meetings. We read the Bible at home. Because of my parents' influence, and you're a parent, you put your role in as a parent. Because of my parents' influence, I obeyed the gospel. Because of my influence, and my parents' influence, my wife obeyed the gospel. When we were at Corinth, Brother Johnny Tucker was preaching. An invitation was given, and we stood up, and she handed me Tiffany, and she pushed me out of the way, and she shot up there as fast as she could go. And I was talking to Brother Johnny not too long ago, and I, I said, do you remember baptizing Kathy at Corinth? And he gave me the greatest answer I think any man could give. I said, do you remember baptizing Kathy? And he said, no. Now, how amazing is that? Think about that. He said, no, not because he's so old he can't remember, because the man has preached the gospel so much and baptized so many people, he can't remember everyone he's baptized. Now, I, I can count on two hands. I do have to use two hands, the people I baptized. But to be able to say, no, I, I really don't remember baptizing you because you've done it so much is awesome. My dad baptized all my, grand, all my children, his, his grandchildren. Because of his influence, they wanted him to baptize them. They knew where it started in our family. They knew that. All of my in-laws, my daughter, my favorite daughter-in-law, my two son-in-laws, I was able to baptize them because of the influence of my children. When, when Whitney and uh, Tommy wanted to get married and we do it in marriage council, and I asked Tommy, are you a Christian? Uh, yeah. I said, we, let's do a little Bible study before we talk about getting married. Three hours later, I was baptizing Tommy. Now, that didn't make him. He understood the gospel. He understood that he wasn't a Christian. And I told you that to tell you this. Because of my parents were Christians, there's 16 people right there that were saved. And there's families in here. When you look at Brother Parker, there's families in here that say the same thing. That's directly. Think about the indirect people. Just think about you being a, a father and a mother. The influence you can have for generations. Were my parents perfect people? No. Was I a perfect person? No. Were my kids perfect? No. Was Kathy perfect? Yes. <laughs> no. Nobody's perfect. None of us are perfect. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all going to make mistakes. 1 John 1, 8 and 9, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But... Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we just obey his word and try our best to live like he wants us to, think of the influence we have on our families, the influence we have on people here at church, the influence of 
you know, I, I'm not in a good place right now, but I know if I go to church, there's somebody there that's going to love me and talk to me and help me out. But you have to be in Christ to be able to have your sins forgiven. You have to be in Christ to get to heaven. Romans 6, 1 through 4, <clears throat> what shall we say then? So we continue in sin that grace may abound. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should should we also should walk in newness of life. The death and the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, that's the gospel. You have to obey the gospel to be in Jesus. And just like Brother Mark said this morning, we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when he's coming back. Sometimes we think we can just do what we want to do and wait and make it before it's too late. You don't know. Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. If you have not obeyed the gospel, don't wait. Don't take that chance. Do it today. If you have problems in your life, if you have something you want to make right, if you want the prayers of the church, if you want people that love you to help you, people that care for you, we'll do it. Come right now as together we stand.